tonight, NFL star DeMar Hamlin awake and moving. A positive turning point after a heart-stopping crisis. Encouraging strides in the ICU. First question that he wrote was, did we win? The relief and the long road to recovery. Raw deal, searing backlash over some pricey poultry. It's shocking. It, it's uh, kind of a little bit scary about where things are going. The bitter reality of ballooning costs across Canada's food chain. Plus, brothers in a battle royale. I don't know how staying silent is ever going to make things better. Stunning new claims of a fight that got physical. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. We begin tonight with good news and what doctors are calling a fairly remarkable recovery for the young Buffalo Bills player who suffered a frightening on-the-field collapse on Monday after a cardiac arrest. DeMar Hamlin's fierce determination and drive are apparent in the Cincinnati hospital, where the 24-year-old can't speak because of a breathing tube, but has still found a way to communicate, asking a question that was top of mind. CTV's Glenn McGregor on the footballer's fight. This is a Three days after this devastating scene on the field, DeMar Hamlin is communicating with health workers and his family. A positive sign, his doctors say, that he is neurologically intact. It's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home, uh, and it appears that all, all the cylinders are firing uh, within his brain, which is greatly gratifying for all of us. The Buffalo Bills' safety remains in critical condition in this Cincinnati hospital, still unable to speak because of a breathing tube, but able to move his hands and feet and write notes on a clipboard. Last night, asking a nurse who won the game against the Bengals. Yes, did we win? The answer is yes. You know, Damari, you won. You won the game of life. Getting off the ventilator and breathing on his own, the next steps to an uncertain recovery. His future in football, far too soon to tell. Doctors credit the rapid response by the Bills medical staff, who quickly recognized he'd gone into cardiac arrest and administered CPR and used a defibrillator. They say they can't yet determine if the impact of the tackle could have caused a rare short-circuiting of his heart. The Bengal player involved in the play among those expressing relief at Hamlin's progress. Talked to his mom and, you know, it's, everything's okay. Um, he's doing good, so I'm in, I'm in a good place right now. The Monday night game was suspended in the first quarter. The NFL decided it won't complete the game, potentially disadvantaging both teams in the playoff hunt. The Bills today continue to prepare for the last game of the regular season. Their thoughts focused on their teammate. Being on that field, it, <clears throat> you, know, you, you, you lose sleep, you hurt for your brother. Their head coach alluding to a difficult year for a city that is seeing a mass shooting in a grocery store and a deadly snowstorm. How do I know that we'll be able to overcome um, is we have to, um, just like um, we've done many times before in this city and the people of western New York that have dealt with what they've dealt with. One other positive outcome, the charity that Hamlin set up to buy toys for children in his Pennsylvania hometown has raised $7 million from football fans since Monday night. So much good coming out of a horrific experience. All right, Glenn, thank you. An area near a key passage used by thousands of asylum seekers every year along the Canada-U.S. border has turned into an investigation scene after the body of an unidentified migrant was found. Here is CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Genevieve Beauchemin. 
Quebec police scoured an area nestled along the Canada-U.S. border, deploying a metal detector and the canine unit to find clues into the death of a migrant. A U.S. Border Patrol helicopter spotted the body in the wooded area Wednesday. The identity is not still established. It's really too soon for us to pronounce ourselves about what the person was doing there. Sources confirmed to CTV News he was a migrant. How he died and when has yet to be confirmed. There are reports police were looking for a missing man in the area last week. The man's body was found near the Roxham border crossing, a gateway to Canada for tens of thousands of asylum seekers. From January to November 2022, more than 34,000 irregular migrants made the trek. But near Emerson, Manitoba, a family of four died of exposure just 12 meters from the border last January, renewing calls by advocates for the government to overhaul the system to drop the third safe country agreement. There's an agreement between Canada and USA, and people are aware that if they come at the border, they are not allowed to make a claim, so they have to find a way to come into Canada in an irregular way. And those irregular ways may prove to be dangerous to those seeking safety in a new home. There's about five kilometers that separate the Lacal border crossing from the Roxham Road passage. And there are wooded areas like this one along the way. And this is where police officers have been searching all day. It's not clear why the man would be attempting to cross here rather than at the well-worn path at Roxham Road. It's possible he got lost or that he may have been attempting to cross into the United States. All of that is now part of the police investigation. Geneviève Beauchemin, CTV News, L'Ecole, Quebec. Canadians in parts of Mexico are being told to shelter in place after the arrest of a cartel boss sparked widespread violence. At least six Canadians are trapped in the city of Mazatlan after a shootout between gangs closed the airport. A plane was reportedly fired at and buses meant to transport tourists were set on fire in front of hotels. The fighting began after Mexican authorities arrested notorious drug lord Ovidio Guzman, son of cartel kingpin El Chapo Guzman. Mexico City hosts the North American Leaders Summit next week with the leaders of Mexico, the U.S. and Canada attending. Tonight, the U.S. president, like millions around the world, is watching an extraordinary stalemate in American politics, which is becoming more entrenched. Bitterly divided U.S. Republicans again fail to elect a new speaker. And late tonight, lawmakers adjourned, extending the chaos into a fourth straight day. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin reports. Kevin McCarthy made history, just not the kind he hoped for. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 201. Not enough to win the powerful post of speaker, failing again and again. A speaker has not been elected. I write to nominate Kevin McCarthy as McCarthy speaker losing nine rounds, a tenth, and going an unprecedented 11 round. McCarthy. That hasn't happened since the Civil War. I'm not putting any timeline on it. I just think we've got some progress going on. We've got members talking. Uh, I think we've got a little movement, so we'll see. McCarthy can't seem to budge a group of 20 Republican far-right rebels holding out and digging in. You never have to ask me if, again if I'm a no on Kevin McCarthy. I will never vote for Kevin McCarthy. The holdouts nominating other candidates, even a Florida Republican, earned a vote. The Honorable Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received one. 
Hoping to break the deadlock, McCarthy offered new concessions, rule changes, like allowing only one member to call for the removal of a speaker and giving seats on the powerful rules committee. And still, it wasn't enough. You see that Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes. It is not happening. Falling short of the 218 votes needed, and as this drags on and on, frustrations are growing. This, this, this dung crap, which is chaos, and we don't want that. We cannot allow a small group of folks commit political terrorism, and that's what they're doing. In their first display of power, House Republicans are still without a speaker tonight, and McCarthy is under pressure to get a deal, find the votes, or step aside. Omar? All right, Joy, thank you. Russia today ordered a 36-hour ceasefire in the war against Ukraine to let Orthodox Christians celebrate Christmas. But Kyiv rejected Putin's temporary truce, calling it a trap. Here's CTV's Jill Makishan. With Orthodox Ukrainians preparing to mark their holy day in the cold, their power grids pummeled. In Kyiv, Putin's ceasefire is being met with skepticism. I don't believe he will go through with the ceasefire, she says. We celebrated New Year's under bombs and missiles. There was peace for an hour or two. That was it. It was the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, a man sanctioned by Canada, that first suggested the 36-hour ceasefire, rejected by Ukraine's president. The war will end either when your soldiers leave or we throw them out. Ukrainian officials have dismissed previous Russian peace moves as an attempt to play for time or prepare for more attacks. On Christmas Eve, uh, they attacked Kherson, killing more than 10 people. So yes, of course, we do not trust. Neither does the world. More armored combat vehicles are being sent to Ukraine from France, Germany and the United States. The Pentagon is supplying several dozen Bradley fighting vehicles. They have any tank missiles, they have machine guns and they have cannons on them that will actually take out uh, a BMP and other Russian vehicles. A first Orthodox Christmas in war and the wish for peace endures in Ukraine and in Canada, where Daria Gorska, her son and her husband, will be following the traditions but missing the celebrations. We don't have our family with us, our parents, my sister, my bunch of nephews and nieces. <laughs> yes, and everything. So it will be different. This new year will bring a new gift, a baby to be born here in Winnipeg. Still, there is a dream of returning to Kyiv someday. I miss home. Whether the Russian strikes stop or not, this is the first time Putin has directed a full Ukraine-wide pause in the war. Omar. All right, Jill, thank you. The man who led the world's 1.3 billion Roman Catholics for nearly eight years and entered the history books with a surprise resignation was laid to rest today at the Vatican. CTV's Heather Butts on the first funeral ever conducted by a sitting pope for his predecessor and the future of the church. A dense morning fog hanging over St. Peter's Basilica. Reflective of the mood below, breaking the silence, a soft applause as the Cypress coffin of Pope Benedict XVI was moved into view. Unable to walk out on his own, Pope Francis led this rare funeral mass, closing a chapter in the Catholic Church, two popes coexisting for nearly a decade. 
We commend to your mercy a fearless teacher and faithful minister of divine mysteries, said Francis, his homily light in personal touches and heavy in verse. The 90-minute Mass was celebrated by 125 cardinals and nearly 4,000 bishops and priests. It was a very prayerful celebration. You know, the, the music, the song was just uplifting, very profound. The crowd of roughly 50,000 didn't quite fill the square. The faithful from various countries flocked to the Vatican to offer a final farewell, many from his native Germany. And I'm touching his hand with my right hand. Martina Hooperman met Benedict at just six years old. A devout Catholic, she organized an overnight bus to bring 50 people to give thanks. You had to like take a deep breath because it was very catching, everyone's catching feelings. Some people looked up into the sky and was like crying. When Benedict resigned, citing declining health, it was this journalist who first broke the news, all because she understood Latin. It was the most terrifying moment of my life, she says, stressed by the magnitude of the news she had shared with the world. With the sun now breaking through the damp morning mist, a moving moment of farewell from Pope Francis before the coffin was taken into the basilica and lowered into the crypt. Pope Benedict shocked the Roman Catholic Church by retiring. His death should make any decision to step down easier on Pope Francis, who is now 86, one year older than Benedict was when he retired. Omar. Heather Butts on the historic papal funeral at the Vatican tonight. Heather, thank you. Well, popes and royals have long been the subject of public intrigue, and tonight there are damaging accusations emerging against the heir of one of the world's most famous monarchies. In a new memoir, Prince Harry reveals Prince William physically attacked him in a furious confrontation. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver on the new bombshells. This home on the grounds of Kensington Palace is where Harry alleges his brother pushed him to the floor. In an extract from Harry's memoir published by The Guardian, Harry claims that in 2019, Prince William called Meghan Markle rude, difficult and abrasive. The tense talk apparently escalating with Harry alleging William got physical. He grabbed me by the collar, ripping my necklace, and he knocked me to the floor. I landed on the dog's bowl, the pieces cutting into me. The revelation adding a new layer to the rift in the royal family. I don't think they should have shared it. Um, it's just too much. It's just too public. Every family has stuff going on. Do you really need to sell it to the world and tell it to the world? But Harry is defending his decision to share intimate family details in his new autobiography, Spare. The book officially launches in five days, but a Spanish version mistakenly hit the shelves in Spain today. I don't know how staying silent is ever going to make things better. Harry says he wants to get his father and brother back, but royal watchers fear the book will do more damage. Hard to imagine that the family is going to want to feel they want to discuss things with him if their conversations are being put into the public arena. And it appears there's a lot to repair, with Harry telling ABC News there's always been a sense of competition with his brother. I think it really plays into or is played by the air spare. His connection with his father now so strained, Harry won't commit to attending King Charles's coronation in May. There's a lot that can happen between now and then, but, you know, the door is always open. The, the ball is in their court. Harry says he still believes in the monarchy, but doesn't know, Omar, if he'll play a part in its future.
Annie Bergeron Oliver outside Buckingham Palace tonight. Annie, thank you. After the break, a premium on poultry and consumers crying foul. Many Canadians are feeling a financial hangover as the credit card bills start coming in from holiday spending, made worse by the rising cost of basics, especially at the grocery store. In the past year, the price of everything from coffee and tea to cooking oil, bread and eggs has shot up. And as CTV's Siobhan Morris explains, the latest round of inflation frustration is targeted at the price of poultry. In the meat section of a Toronto Loblaws, an eye-popping price tag for a tray of chicken. Almost $27 per kilogram, more than $37 for five breasts. It's shocking. It, it's uh, kind of a little bit scary about where things are going and uh, how people's budgets uh, uh, manage. Online, the price was a fire starter for outrage about food prices. So this is where we're at, one person tweets, needing to buy chicken on layaway. Another incredulous shopper says, good Lord, will the chicken clean your home as well? That disbelief carries through to the grocery store. That's really high. I don't know why it's that high. In a statement, Loblaws says this is a club pack of President's Choice Free From Chicken, a product thought of as premium. They go on to say the price per kilo is in line with, if not better than what competitors charge, and that there are other poultry options. For Loblaw, free from means the animals weren't fed antibiotics. That line usually gets an obvious special label, even for premium chicken. It's still uh, a little tad on the excessive side of things. But all poultry is way more expensive. Statistics Canada says in November, poultry prices were up 9.3% year over year, due in part to reduced global supply, with farmers culling and quarantining birds with avian influenza. We've lost uh, over 5 million birds in this country. So all, all those birds were intended to uh, service the Canadian market, but it never happens. With higher chicken prices here to stay. I think the lesson is to, to, to think carefully about what you're buying, to look and read the label clearly, to evaluate your alternatives. But there are ways to cut corners. The picture you took was boneless, skinless, so it, it had more value added done to it. You can, you can debone and take the skin off yourself. And make your precious dollar go a little further. After all the anger, Chalabois anticipates grocers will discount chicken in the next three or four days to try to smooth things over with shoppers. Siobhan Morris, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead, the fight for hockey glory. In comes Shane Wright. Works right in. Right to the back. Team Canada and the gold medal matchup. There is jubilation tonight after Canada defended its title and took home gold in a stunning end to the World Juniors in Halifax. In comes Shane Wright. Works right in. Right to the back. That second period goal by Canadian captain Shane Wright gave Canada a 2-0 lead. But the Czechs roared back to tie it up late in the third before Canada's Dylan Gunther scored in overtime. In the end, Canada beat the Czechs 3-2. And joining us from outside the rink in Halifax tonight is CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief Creason Adjkate. Creason, what a dramatic finish to a riveting match. But in the end, Canada came out on top. Victory always sweeter when it's on home soil. What's it like where you are right now? 
Oh my gosh, Omar. It, the crowd is so electric and loud right now. I can barely hear you. You know, when we were setting up here, it was 2-0 Canada in the lead. And just when we set up the camera, all of a sudden, you know, Czechia tied it up. And then we went into overtime. And it was on, like, the crowd was sitting on pins and needles. And when they finally got that last goal uh, for Canada to win the gold, it, this whole tunnel in Rogers Square here in Halifax, just, it just blew up. Clearly a lot of celebrating going on across the country, and rightly so. And it's also, by the way, Shane Wright's birthday today. Great gift. Creason, thank you. Coming up, highlights from the largest tech convention in the world. We'll leave you tonight with a look at the latest gadgets pushing the boundary of human and artificial intelligence. From the first all-Canadian car in over 100 years to glasses that can translate conversations on the fly. CTV's Bill Fortier takes us into the future. Whether you're looking for a pet without the cleanup or improved communication with your actual pet. What this? Oh. From paw to button to smartphone, the 2023 Consumer Electronics Show has got it. The annual Vegas exhibition shows off the latest and greatest tech from entertainment to useful advancements like the first ever all-Canadian-made zero-emissions car built in Ontario and this healthcare robot. Okay, get ready now. Besides taking selfies, it can clean and sanitize and take on other tasks. You can go and check on residents. It can do deliveries overnight uh, and just work all night in the dark. This year, artificial intelligence is dominating the show floor. AI is truly the most important megatrend for the future of tech. This self-driving baby stroller is one example. It was created by a Vancouver team. It's the smartest stroller in the world. It is powered by AI with computer vision, with sensors all around it. Nice to meet you. Thank you. These glasses could come in handy in a foreign country. And even if we don't speak the same language, it uh, automatically translates with subtitles. And this is BMW's new concept car, D. I am your ultimate companion. It changes colors and seems to actually have feelings. D embodies the next level of human-machine interaction. It got a big endorsement from Hollywood heavyweight Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come with me if you want to live. Who has some on-screen experience with machines and emotions. It reminds me a little bit on the character that they played in Terminator 2, the T-800 that saved, you know, humanity. Life-saving or just fun, it will all be on display until Sunday. And with an estimated 100,000 attendees, in this case, what happens in Vegas quickly goes global. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. A tech lover's paradise. And that's a snapshot of this Thursday. For all of us at CTV National News, thank you for watching. John Vendavelli Rao is here tomorrow. Good night.